Well, one, one of the sayings I use a lot now is, everyone in your business is either an anchor or a propeller. Yes. And sometimes you can be an anchor one day and a propeller the next, but if yeah. you're an anchor too often, you hold the business back. And I'd been working really hard, and rather selfishly, I suppose, uh, in lots of ways, and not putting as much into the family as yeah. you would. She said, I think you've got to know. I think they're thieving from you. I said, who's thieving from you? Some of the people, some of the operatives in the warehouse. Really? Yes, and it's idols, so and 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 so. And if you check the cameras, you'll see it. How long has that been going on? Well, it's been going on for a few months, and I don't like it. Welcome to part two of Success. Here's a system with uh, Jim McCarthy, uh, Payboys Partnerships in Poundland. So when we, well, I was then, um, well, obviously we'd, we'd like triple the, the profit. Uh, in a couple of years, Brilliant. effectively. Brilliant. And we got the template for convenience. So the guy that took over as sales director, he went, and I was invited back to be Group MD. Yeah. Which would never... Back, have, back to Brown Hill, so you're yeah, coming back north Which again. would never have happened... Um, if you'd become sales director in the Exactly. Yeah. So again, a bit of luck, you know, and a great team down in the south, fantastic team. Went... Back, they had decentralised to cut costs, and I put some of the cent- some of those <clears> functions <throat> back centrally. But we started to to um, to go for convenience stores and whatnot. Yeah. That was going really well, um, and we'd gone from basically being the the least profitable multiple news agent group because yeah. you've got NSS, you've got Martins, you've got all those sort of people. yeah. And it was Martins. I was at them. Four well boys. And, yeah. Yes, yes, all of those. Um, and we were going, and we were up towards the top. Yeah. Now, the Birmingham Post and Mail, which was owned by the island. But not only towards the top in terms of scale or, or profitability, but starting to be seen as a best in class individually as well. I'd like to say. Uh, and yeah. so, you know, I remember I, yeah. us going to stores to have a look at what they're doing there. Yeah, yeah. Thing. yeah. Isn't that lovely? Yeah. I mean, I'd, yeah, that's smashing. And, and, and so, oh, that's lovely. So, Birmingham Post and Mail thought there was going to be a change of government, I think. Um, and so they decided that they would they would enter into some other agreements with companies abroad, and to enable them to do that, to buy shares in these other companies abroad, and presumably, um, this is my words, not theirs, but presumably to reduce the risk to the family wealth, they decided to sell some of their UK assets, of which okay. we were one. And at that point, I learned quite a bit at this point because I, I mean, I'm still. Fairly narrow, news and convenience. Um, my boss, John Haywood, who was, as I said to you earlier, yeah. my blade straight, wonderful man, um, Bachelor of Commerce, I think he was, uh, qualified, chartered accountant, um, and so on. So he got lots of things, you know, and a Bachelor of Economics, I think. He said to me, do you, do you, do you fancy buying it? I mean, this is the paper kid. You'd never thought of being an owner no, or an no, equity? No, absolutely not. And it frightened me to death. And I said, well, I, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think? He said, well, if, you, if, you, if you're keen, I'll help you. Because he got lots of experience of that. So we went to see um, Electric Andover, as it was in those days, in London. Michael Stoddart uh, was, the, uh, was the chap there, who was the chairman also of Next. And we got some agreement that we would bid this and you know no more but that was what we were going to do we could have gone more probably should have done in hindsight but anyway what happened was they said no to my bid or my team's bid if you like uh, they wanted more 
And I sat there, think ever so clever, thinking, you know, they're going to come back to us because they won't get any more. Right. And I'd miscalculated because George Davis of Next PLC decided that he wanted a contra to the high street. Right. So he got all his profits in the high street. He wanted some neighbourhood stuff, and he was a bit of a visionary and so on and so forth. So they bid for the business two or three million more than we were, right. on the basis that we stayed. And I said, well, if we stay as a team... You want some equity? Well, I didn't know. I should have done But I I said, you know, it's only on the basis that you're going to invest in the business because we've been starved of capital. We should be much further on. And I can now understand why they starved us us of capital because they were going to sell us. I didn't know that at the time. Yeah, yeah. And they were leaving upside and all sorts of stuff, you know, de-risking it for them. Yeah, not for me, but for them. So he said, yes, he said, we won't buy unless the team stays. And if we, if we do buy it, we will accelerate the growth. And that's what happened. Brilliant. And within a year, we bought Predis for about 20 million, I think. Got pretty much the whole 20 million back in next to no time by doing various things, yeah, like yeah. selling some of the stores off to Smiths and Menzies. Uh, and there was a Libyan group that took some of the poorer small stores off us. So we ended up with about 100 stores for nothing, which is fabulous. Um, and uh, and next were great bedfellows. They, I mean, they were super. Um, George was mercurial, and I had huge respect for him because he was very good to me. Yeah. And he was a bit of a design genius. He was talking TV dinners before anybody, right. you know. And and he, he when he went into a convenience store with me, he'd say, oh, I can see this, I can see that, and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this is fabulous. And he was connected, so he could find manufacturers to make chilled yeah, dinners yeah. and stuff, you know, because he was also, I think, quite well connected to M&S. So there was all sorts of things going on. And this was a new world for me. I got very excited by it all. Um, and we did really, really well. But unfortunately, Next didn't. And they expanded so quickly and they spent so much money, they were within... They started to suck the cash out of... They were almost yeah. bust. And George was dismissed. Um, and David Jones took over. And David decided that some of the assets had to go quickly to save next, which was exactly right. And we were one of those, which is why TNS stores were able to come in and make a bid for us. Now, that was really interesting because Kevin Threlfall, the T and TNS, were making about three million. I think we were making just under eight at the time. So that's a huge difference. So the little business is taking the big business. And to get a rights issue away of that size and scale... Unbelievable. And the deal was done on the streets of London between David Jones and Kevin Threlfall while David Jones was showing a little old lady the way somewhere on an A to Z. Brilliant. Because she'd asked him, do you know And those are the stories that I absolutely love. So so anyway, Kevin, bless him, who, and I've always thought of an entrepreneur. You're a bit of a... Remember he had Master Martin and all sorts. He's a very very impressive man. You're like an entrepreneur, you see, because you've put your risk... Your business, you've created business. It's your risk. It's your energy. It's you know. It's and you have got different. to have an energy for loss oh, as well as an entrepreneur. Oh, absolutely. It's like this absolutely. roller coaster. Well, I don't know how often they they relaunch Magnum, but Magnum I think was launched about three times before the market was ready for it, and then bam, yeah, the yeah, biggest yeah, thing yeah. ever, you know. So, but but I've always been very, I've admired enormously people that have put their homes their happiness and everything at risk 
So when Kevin founded T and founded uh, Super Six and T and S, it was his risk. Yeah, you know. So had and it, huge money in terms oh, of cash flow. Oh, and so absolutely. And so. Now he got a little bit of a history because he was one of the founders of Low Cost Super right, yeah, yeah, yeah. which was sold on. But you know the Super Six business. What a model! This is a ten percent gross margin. Ten percent gross margin. You've got the premises to pay for yeah, the rent. Yeah. You can imagine high streets. Okay, okay, six to eight hundred square feet, small, massive volumes going through. But ninety, excuse me, ninety percent of it's tobacco. And what um, would be the net net on that? Or the EBITDA? Do you think just as a guess percentage of sales? <laughs> it would be very it would little. Be, it would be like. Be very low little. single digit, wouldn't it? Like be one for, or two or something. I well, guess. your your overall gross margin is ten. Your Wages, we used to budget wages at 2.6%. Then you've got shrink. Then you've got insurance, electric, all that stuff. Rent, the whole lot. Yeah. So by the time you're finished, you've got very little. But on but huge what, turnover because of the tobacco. Wow. Well, yeah, yeah. This is why the convenience model that he was acquiring. The melded margin became. Which, really was, which was capital heavy. Because SuperSigs created so much cash. So everything was sold weeks before you paid for it so tobacco we used to have two companies buying tobacco and we would only buy on the one that had the maximum credit yeah but you could almost make a, your year's profit out of the budget if you played well it right, i was you? about That's to say the thing, there was two to three million of, of of duty budget profit which was really what kept it all same with palm and harvey they Oh, their whole profit was the duty each absolutely. year on, on budget. And, it, and it's not like, you know, we used to go to Barclays and who were our bank. And we said to Barclays, oh, you know, we want to borrow 80 million quid for, you know, tobacco. Yeah. Oh, really? How, how many weeks is that? 16 weeks stock. Oh, yeah. And within seven days, all done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You couldn't do that today. But then, because a block of Benson and Hedges cigarettes is like a gold bar. It's not like a dress. There's no risk of the fashion yeah, failing. Yeah. You know, and it being worth threatening as opposed to 300. And, and the turn is quick as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to really get rid of it, quick, just reduce the price. Yeah, a couple yeah. of coppers. And people will buy 400, you know. And so, so it was a fantastic business. We used to do on Walker's Crisps. I mean, you wouldn't believe how many articulated lorries were yeah. delivering crisps into the centre for delivery out. We were on Literally cross-docking, in and out. Oh, same. So this is something that Kevin Threlfall created and we became part of. Yeah. So they needed to make an acquisition, really. They were a public company at the time. Um, they'd gone from AIM, well, gone from private to AIM, and then to full listing. But they were running out of track as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they needed to acquire. So with us, and that, that, was, that was a bit of a, uh, a journey because I think Kevin thought the value was in the news agents. Yeah. So he and I didn't get on. Because you'd seen the light of convenience. Oh, and, yeah, oh, yeah. and I was saying, no, no, no. Sell the newsagent stores whilst they're at top of the value. You know, this we're yeah. at the top of the curve. And already, I mean, for us that were out looking at the industry all the time, which we were all doing at the time, that's what, as ACS, that was one of our key things. You were seeing tobacco still important, but it's in long-term decline. Yeah, uh, sweets are starting to become demonised because of dental and stuff. So they're important, but people are going to probably measure their consumption yeah. a bit differently well, and, and things like that. Do you think? Well, Mike, I think you might probably be ahead of me there, I think. Right, right. But because uh, con uh, confectionery in Super Six was fantastic. And the genius of Kevin, and Kevin was genius. I mean, he and I did fall That's out. all about location, the impulsivity oh, and so... Uh, he yeah. and I fell out, but we, we came back together. Right, OK. And we came back stronger. And 
we then agreed the strategy was to grow the convenience because that's where the that's where the future was and so that we were fully aligned and as yeah, you say yeah. and i loved it and then you become unstoppable oh, once you stop pulling against oh, each other tremendous but you know he came into the office one day and he said i'm, I'm chief executive by then i did take a step back when tns took us over because i became retail director because mm. i wanted to look after my people and I knew I could do that as retail director. He was, in those days, you could get away with it, chief executive and chairman. So he had ultimate power. Yeah. yeah? But over time, I became the chief exec, which was fabulous. I, mean, I think it was 13 years I did that. Yeah, but he came yeah. in one day, and he was like a kid. He said, Jim, Jim, I've just seen a massive queue outside this shop in Wolverhampton. And I said, really? And he said, yeah. I said, what kind of shop was it? He said, well, it's a confectionery shop. All right. And I said, what are they queuing for? He said, well, they're buying confectionery. I said, yeah, but what's different? He said, well, that's where the excitement is. He said, why don't you go and have a look? Come and have a look. Yeah. And what they'd done... Pick and mix or something, or was it... it well, well, Super Sigs was on like Woolworth pick and mix. They yeah. were fabulous at it. But this was count line pick and mix. Oh, right, OK. Yeah. So you know we used to be have a five-pack of Mars bars, a five-pack of Snickers, a five-pack of Flake, a five-pack of Whisper. Um, this wasn't. This was you could have one of each, singly, and do five for a... And he just created that himself. Just no, like, they had this, this little this, this retailer, sorry. Yeah, he yeah. just done it. And it. But it was across a whole massive range of things. And there was always a queue outside. So he said, what do you reckon? I said, well, it's, it's genius. It's genius. So one of the, uh, one of the ladies uh, who, le who led Super Sigs, Lorna Kirby, I got hold of Lorna. I said, Lorna, I said, there's this shop in um, Wolverhampton. You've got to go and look at it. I said, I want you to go and look at it from our perspective. That's one shop. How can we get this in 170, 180 Super Sigs and really do it professionally and properly? Because yeah, yeah. they're, they're playing at it. Oh, anyway, off she goes. And bless her, she came back. Very low capital. She did it in, I think, about three months. And our confection, which was millions yeah. of pounds a year, millions and millions and millions, went up 20% in the first year. And it wasn't a full year. At what would it have been then? 20, oh, uh, high sorry. 20 margin? Yeah. Uh, well, chocolate would have been 24, 25 uh, sugar would have been 30 to 35. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the blended average fantastic. might be 27. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. And then you've got your overriders and, you know, annual, you know, you know the stuff. So that suddenly, oof, and then we could put them into dumplings. But, 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 it, but I think what's important there as well is you'd obviously by that point understood the power of multiplication. So you see that one shop and you think we can do this across all the stores. Yeah. And, and again, I keep, you know, often one of the hardest things to get an SME, because people often don't realise the numbers. There's 5.9 million businesses in the UK. 5.3 million of them have less than 10 employees. Wow. I mean, literally 90% of the UK's businesses, less than 10 employees. Yeah. Partly because they haven't learned how to manage more than 10 people. They're ducking and diving. Partly because they're scared of investing in multiplying what they know to be what works. Yes. So I'll keep it as small as I can handle rather than saying I'm going to get the people to help mm. me handle more. And, and yet it works. It works for them. It delivers a living. Absolutely. But why wouldn't, when you see an idea and you know that idea works and it's of the moment, because it might not be in two years, do it while it is well, that's, and multiply. You're, you're absolutely the, right. The, the, the kind of confidence and courage yes. to invest knowing that it's working yeah. but you've also got to know where you're going haven't you so the strategic direction so you've got to leave something in for the next man yeah yeah yeah, yeah? so if you're going then to you sell do. the business and crystallize your never sell at the top sell on the no. rise yeah. always sell leave something for the next bloke you know so we had a free run at the confectionery as one example 
for about two years before the manufacturer's sales force was saying, well, because they've got bosses to go and report to. And the boss would say, well, hold on a minute, Jack or Mary or whatever. Um, you know, you, you've had uh, that year, you did 20%. And last year you did 15%. It's going the wrong way. Yeah. Well, if, if, I, if I now start offering this multi stuff to other, you know, I can... So the manufacturers thought it's not just a Abs- retail play, it's a Abs- manufacturing play. Absolutely. Yeah. So then you've got a whole change in the industry. And the wholesalers are getting in on it yeah. as well. So we have, to move, we have to move on by trying to do it better and to do other products and stuff. So when I went to Poundland, one of the first things I did yeah. was to do the multi-buy, because they only ever did multi-packs, Poundland. Um, we did the multi-buy and then gondola. Whoa. And then we did the little tins. You know, Pepsi well, and what tins a lot of people might not realise is you took Poundland from 300 million to 1.2, 1.3. Uh, billion? No, it was 150 million to, to 1.2, I think. You, something like that. N- nothing speaks louder than actual numbers, if you like. The numbers never lie. A lot of people will claim credit for stuff, but they haven't really grown the business. It all translates at the end of the day. Did yeah. you grow it? You did grow it. Every yeah, business did. you've been we involved did. in. And the scale is incredible to the point that and and we're sort of getting up to date almost to when we met then uh that's why tesco's uh didn't just want to buy one stop and or tns they wanted to buy jim mccarthy as well and 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 you you were taken into main board of tesco's as part of that deal well well not really no (laughs) well you were there though for a while before you went to sainsbury's yes only for a little while Oh, okay. I, know for a little I thought that was maybe a clash of, no, of no. character when no, you got in. No. But, uh. Well, I'll tell you, because it's quite. I, thought, I think it's quite interesting. So we've always told the city, as TNS, that at some point, we, we, well, we've told the city that we're going to grow convenience. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to be the biggest. And you already were heading that way. Yes. And, yeah. We said that the exit for these investors would be when one of the supermarket groups said, whoa, we need to buy them. Yeah, yeah. And the investment community was, oh, don't think that's going to happen. These are big box operators. The economics work for big box. They don't work for small. You know, Tesco have played a little bit with a few garages and stuff and they can't cope with the refrigeration and they've got, you know, units outside. It's not going to happen. And we said, oh, it will. It's going to come because the consumer wants it to happen. And convenience was becoming more important than big shop shopping all the time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And time was, you know, you used to say it all the time, didn't you? Time poor, money rich. Yeah, and yeah. at that time, so you'd pay for convenience. And even people who don't think they're money rich are still time poor. Absolutely. And will, even if you go to the poorest council estates, and I, yeah. I was born in them, yeah. uh, people will Snap. still pay for the time convenience. Absolutely. You know, and I, I used to use, or still use, a Coke example, Coca-Cola. You know, let's say, I don't know the price exactly, but let's say you could buy 80 pence in a discounter, a pound in a supermarket. It'll be £1.20 in a, in, in a convenience store. It'll be £1.50 in a petrol station. It'll be £2.50 um, at Glastonbury or somewhere like that. Yep. People don't leave Glastonbury and drive two miles to get it at 80p. There's a cost of convenience that people are willing to pay Indeed. if you can give them the service, the speed, and the speed is the key part of it absolutely absolutely let's 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 move on then so we met you're 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 at um one stop dns you've sold to tesco's just i mean that must have been an incredible negotiation to uh to be involved in yes yes i mean part of your life you'll never get back because it takes forever as well yeah 
Um, we got to the stage in um, in One Stop, uh, which is part of T- which was the part of TNS really, where we were doing really well. We were making lots and lots of profit, but the growth we were running out of track of acquisitions. And if you're a public company, really speaking, the guideline is ten percent plus each year, and and the investors are happy, um, and paying your dividends, you know all that stuff. But we were running out of track, and one of the the, the um, weaknesses we had was uh, chilled food. Yeah. So we could do you know frozen, not as well as Iceland or something like that, but we could do a bit enough of for convenience. Yeah. Um, but the chilled stuff. You know, we're getting through people like Booker and, and one or two other ones. It was never... Re- In fact, the distance between our quality and Tesco and M&S and Sainsbury's was, was, yeah. was widening, if anything. Yeah, yeah. So we sort of said, well, and, and Kevin, bless him. Well, and getting the small store retailers to be willing to throw it away yeah, just before it's Absolutely. past its best rather yeah. than a day after yeah. or two days after. Yeah. So we're saying, well, you know, what's the future, really? So we've been telling the investment community that at one day, you know... They're going to buy us. Yeah. And we're saying, well, we're running out of track. There aren't the sort of 100 here, 200 there stores to, to buy. Um, we know that chilled, the distance between what we can put in front of the consumer and what these other bigger uh, operators can with with a chilled supply chain, proper chilled supply chain, is getting... So, really... So, I think as, as, as we spoke... Um, as we made it known that, you know, to quote Copperfield, wasn't it? Barkus is willing, I think. Was I don't know that, yeah. yeah, David, in David Copperfield, that, that, there was a quote, Barkus is willing, it was about marriage. Right. So we sort of did this Barkus is willing thing. But it coincided, as I understand it, with Tesco looking very hard at convenience. And they'd had a lot of people working solely on the future of convenience retailing. So what do they say about luck? It's where opportunity and preparedness meet. Absolutely. So it was like a meeting of, you know, it was a great meeting. So I think Tesco, who are still the major supermarket group, with I think 27 or 28% of of the market, huge, huge percentage, they were looking ever more go forward. Um, and uh, and they have made mistakes like we all do. Yeah, yeah they yeah. learn pretty fast, and they pull out very quickly, like America and so on and so forth. But convenience, they were absolutely let's do this, and let's have a go at um, one stop. Yeah, yeah. Not because every store suited them, but about half of the stores would transfer to the the express format. And they knew that they could get good money for the others anyway if they needed. Yeah, to. but in fairness, what they did, they they maintained the one stop estate. Um, as one stop. So, yeah, and yeah. There's, there's an element of franchise in there as well, I think. Yeah. And they make really good money. So for Tesco, it's been a very good purchase. For our investors, it was a very good return um, on their original investment. And for Kevin and people like... Well, Kevin particularly, because he was, a, you know, it was his... Major shareholder. Yeah, yeah major shareholder. Um, me less, far less so. But, you know, I made some money as well. And at that point, I decided that I would retire. Oh, really? I didn't know yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Well, People Rosie, like you and me can't be tired. Well, they? it was difficult. But Rosie, you know, said, look, you, I think I was 47 at the time, maybe 48. Um, 2003, this is. Um, so I think I was 47. And um, she says, you know, we don't have a mortgage. You know, we've got the two kids, the teenagers. And uh, 
and I'd been working really hard and rather selfishly, I suppose, uh, in lots of ways, and not putting as much into the family as you, yeah. know, you would. So, so okay. So, you know, I used to walk ten miles every day and do things with uh, you know Rosie and stuff. And after a while, she said, um, "Why don't you go and find a job?" <laughs> so I said, "What do you mean? <laughs> You're you driving me crazy." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because the poor girl had she'd lost her life because she was then looking after me all the time. If yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. yeah, yeah. So um, I think that happens more than you know. Oh, the more people I speak to who oh. sell a business, retire, slow down, their, their families love having them home. Yes, just not that much. Absolutely, <laughs> and so. I thought, oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, that was... Yeah. A, I, I mean, you were really, ready by then I've anyway. I never really yeah. said this to her, but I thought, oh, thank you. you know. um, and I started to apply for... Well, to go through search companies and yeah. stuff. And I had... Uh, and this is where you get a little bit of disappointment in life, of course. So I got through to the final of about five and I didn't get any of them. And actually, when I look back, they were absolutely right. You know, I probably wasn't the best qualified for that particular... It's a fit as well, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, for that particular role. And then a friend... Um, rang me up and said, "Why don't you? Uh, why don't you approach Sainsbury's? Because they need somebody for." Convenience. So that wasn't a job. You, you, you. There was no you job. No. Them. Okay. Um, which is where you find out when your friends, who your friends are, when you've left business and your phone doesn't go as often, does it? Yeah. yeah. Either. I remember Jeff Harris saying the same. Oh, that, uh, absolutely. You know, you ring people, or, or you ring people. Do you want a game of golf? I'm busy, mate. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. yeah. So anyway, this is what this is a really great guy. And he told me, he said, look, Sainsbury's needs somebody. Why don't you? Why? I said, well, I, I said, Justin King's going into Sainsbury's. You know, so there's going to be a new yeah. CEO in there. He said, well, I'll ring. So anyway, I did. And of course, they're being hurt by Tesco's oh. massive growth in convenience at oh. the time. And, uh... So, and they, they'd, you know, started locals and stuff, but they weren't doing it very well. And Justin, quite rightly, was going to concentrate on the supermarkets, which is the main area, the most important Bread and area. Butter, yeah. And the locals, the convenience stores, which were losing a lot of money, um, you know, he said, look, you know, he interviewed me, um, to cut a long story short, and um, and I got the job. And he said, look, you just go and fix it. And if you can't, I've got a, a tough choice to make. Brilliant to be given that free reign. Yeah. Because he knew that you knew more than, millions more than he did about and small format. Well, he needed to spend his energy creating the big team, you know, for supermarkets. Yeah, yeah of course. And getting that right. And yeah. having the separation, because it is two quite different businesses, oh, absolutely. is important. And he, again, you know, I mean, Justin is um, a very, very, very intelligent guy. Yeah. And uh, mercurial. You know, he's a great thinker and stuff. And I, I loved working for him. You know, he was great. hope you're enjoying Success is a System. Every Tuesday, we launch it on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Drop us a note and tell us who you would like to see or hear on Success is a System or what subject you'd like us to cover to help you and your business. Success is a System, like, subscribe, and make sure you get it every Tuesday for great lessons and systems that have made people wealthy, healthy, and successful. Terrific. And he was very good to me. He allowed me to do an awful lot of stuff, and it worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we were able to expand the number of stores, we refurbed the stores. We've got a bit of capital to. to and what were the number changes during your time at Sainsbury's Luke oh, in we, terms of number we, of stores turnover? That sort of. Uh, that's a metric. good question. I think we were less than a hundred when I went, and and we were way over. Maybe I was only. You bought Bell's. Jackson's, two and a quarter. Well, Bell's had already been bought. Oh, okay. Yeah, that that had already been bought, but we bought Jackson's. Because that was 104 stores, was it? Yeah, it, was like a, it was, yeah, about 110, I think. Okay. Like, maybe a bit more, 114. Um, but I think it was 
by 260, 270. Right. So it was going, you know, quite quick. Um, but we had all sorts of um, things to, to address. So, for example, the communication system in a local would be exactly the same, you know, telecoms and stuff, as in a supermarket. So massively over-engineered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there were huge opportunities to cut costs um, and provide what And was also f- speed it up because oh, yeah. it would have been too labour. We, we brought gondola gondola heights down so you could see across yeah, yeah. yeah so people could oh oh you know yeah, yeah, oh i can yeah. say oh that and and a bit more secure yeah as well yeah, we rational I mean, this was fantastic but and you'll know this mike i mean crikey you'll have you've, i've heard you talk about it but we rationalized the range the assortment massively because it was so yeah, overly more, done and people were writing in you know emails and letters and stuff saying Wow! Didn't realise they got think so you've much. increased it because yeah. they can now see what yeah. you have got. Didn't realise you've got yeah. so much range. It's fantastic, you know. So uh, our our light for lights were double digit all the way through. I mean, it was just brilliant, fabulous. And then bless, you know, Rosie got um, she she wasn't very well and got very poorly. So I'd only promised um, three years to Sainsbury's, and I was about half a year short of that. And in the background, you know, I'm not the bravest man in the world, but in the background. I'd been approached by Poundland several times to become their chief executive. I wasn't interested because Sainsbury's to me, yeah, you know, I loved it. You know, yeah. oh, it was just great. And working with a brand and seeing how that worked, yeah. you know, compared to let's say TNS, which wasn't really a brand, um, was uh, for me was wonderful. You know, um, so I didn't like the big business, the big. Uh, all the conversations, the, the dinosaur ferry style speed. Oh yeah, exactly. I didn't like all that, but some of the people were fantastic, were really good, and the brand was marvelous. And the loyalty—you know—you just had to put the stuff on the shelf. Customers buy it in yeah. Sainsbury's because they believe in Sainsbury's. Wonderful brand. Yeah. So um, anyway, so so I've been approached, and I'm thinking, well, you know, for the first time in my life. I, I really ought to put my wife first. Yeah. I, I didn't knowingly not do that in the, in the past, but when I was thinking about it, I thought, well, I've never been there. You know, we've got the two boys. Uh, Rosie's kept everything together, fantastic. You know, she's been tremendous support. And uh, now's the time to, to put something back. So, and if I join Poundland, that's only at Wolverhampton. I can be there in an hour and ten, where, you know, I was getting up at half past five in the yeah, morning yeah. and getting home at 10 o'clock at night, you know, Monday to Friday. Um, so, so that's what happened. And I got into to Poundland uh, where Colin Smith, the former Safeway chief executive and CFO, another wonderful man. Again, very lucky Jim, great chairman, yeah. great chairman. Um, he, w- he was the guy that was sorting it all out with me. Went in there, bit of a basket case, advent, were the VC, the private equity people who owned it. I got a bit of a deal uh, on going in. I had to put some money in. And I was able to bring Nick Hately, because one person is never enough. Yeah. You know, you need a bit like Clough and Taylor at Nottingham Forest. Sometimes you need, well, you do always need two, I think. And Nick was brilliant. He was a great CFO. Double X. Yeah, me, me and Tom always. Uh, ah, yes. Buddy exactly, yeah. exactly. And Nick was powerful and enough to be able to take me on and argue things with me. Yeah. And if he was right, which nine times out of ten he was, I'd do, I'd do what, yeah, okay, then we'll do that. And occasionally I said, no, 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 this is what we're going to do. And he'd back me, and he'd never, ever let anybody know that he, he didn't actually fully support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd never have known. You, 
I think the phrase is, you wouldn't have got a cigarette paper between the two of us. Fantastic. You know, and that's what that it was. needs to be. Like, yes. Like when you said with Kevin, you were pulling apart. Once you started working together, Absolutely. breaks her off, we're, oh. we're motoring. And Kevin, we had a lot, I had a lot of fun with Kevin. He was the funniest man in business, but absolutely driven. Well, one, one of the sayings I use a lot now is, everyone in your business is either an anchor or a propeller. Yes. And sometimes you can be an anchor one day and a propeller the next. But if yeah. you're an anchor too often, you'll hold the business back. But if you can turn everyone or recruit everyone to be in propellers, you become unstoppable. And the growth oh, yeah. happens at such an incredible speed when but, you get everyone yeah, propelling. Absolutely. And you've got to get the back. It's all life's about balance, isn't it? You know, we are what we eat and drink and how we surround ourselves with things. Business is about balance, you know, giving people your time. The most, inve- most valuable thing you can give anybody is your time. But if you're in a big business, you can't give everybody the same because you haven't got enough time. You know, it's finite, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you've got to make those judgments. Um, that means working longer sometimes, you know, but listening. I mean, one of the great stories I have, I think it's a great story because it's, a, it's human. It's really lovely. Um, I always had an open door, you know, and uh, I would talk to everybody. Uh, as though they were, you know, the chairman. Yeah, yeah, you know, fantastic. Pay everybody the same respect, I think. I, I don't no, think... No, you, you always were I, approachable by... I anybody. think so. But we had some cleaners at uh, at Poundland, and they were fantastic. Uh, lovely ladies. Salt of the earth ladies, you know. And I used to say, you know, hello, hello, every night. And they'd come in, and they'd, how's, how's it going, Jim? You know, oh, yeah, it's great. Anyway, there's one night. She said, what the the one day? Um... Can I have a word? And I said, yeah, of course you can. And um, you might need to change the actually. One of the cleaners okay. came. I'm sure she won't mind being named. One of the cleaners came and said, can I have a word, Jim? Yeah, come in, come in. Let's close the door. She said, I think you've got to know. I think they're thieving from you. I said, who's thieving from me? Some of the people, some of the operatives in the warehouse. Really? Yes. And it's aisles so-and-so, 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 so-and-so. And if you check the cameras, you'll see it. How long has that been going on? Well, it's been going on for a few months, and I don't like it. I don't like it. You're fair with everybody. The business is fair with everybody. Why should they be thieving and putting everybody's jobs at risk? Brilliant. Now, when I th- we dealt with it, we, you know, we, we obviously had the disciplinary and all that stuff. Th- theft is theft, you're out. And maybe even police. I think on that occasion it was just out. But anyway, I thought, why did she come? And share that with me because it would have been way easier for to have ignored it. And I concluded in the finish that the reason she did was because she felt more loyalty to the business because she was always treated as an equal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So she was she had the confidence to come and see me. Because you'd have been I mean I don't I don't like to make it all about money, but you'd have been on like a seven figure income, you'd have been like you, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. all these things. So so for anybody, let alone a cleaner, to come and say, can I have a minute? Hmm. And to share that story would have been like a, a big thing. Uh, it's yeah. quite scary. In fact, in some ways, maybe she was more likely to yeah. do it than someone who's the next tier down because, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. You know. I, in fact, just, just to be clear, it probably wasn't seven-figure seven income at that point because it's private equity. Right. Private equity, of course, tend, it's, it's to, on keep, the back end. tend yeah. to keep your salary as low as they can and all the upside in the exit. Right, right, yeah. Right. Now I, I can tell you, I didn't go, I didn't go to Poundland on less than I was at Sainsbury's. That right, was right. that was part because they asked me. So that was quite important. 
But, but it, I would be misleading you if I said it was seven figures at the time. But still but, but scary when oh, you talk about the yeah, number of I mean, tears. Yeah, it or, was. Or, and and the, the people there were fantastic. When I got when I got into Poundland, I was told pretty much that I have to you know make wholesale changes, and I didn't have to. And I learned another thing. Sometimes if you give enough oxygen to people yeah. and enough clarity and support, they'll do it. And I had a rule, Mike. I had a rule. If somebody felt strong enough. So they came to me with an idea and said, you know, that's my idea. Tell me about it. Mm, yeah, well, I, I don't think so. You know. And off they go, you know, disappointed. If they came back and said, yeah, Jim, can I have a look? You remember that idea I told you about? Yeah. Well, I still think, you know. Make them fight and for a little bit. If they came back a third time, I'd say, yeah, okay, we'll do it. And that was my unwritten Even rule. if you weren't sure? Yeah, you, they because were so the sure. momentum and the passion that they had for that, even if it was flawed, yeah. they would make it work. And yet how many people in business give up on the first failure or, or what? Uh, well, if you're going to fail, fail fast. That's, yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. because it's less costly, isn't it? But if somebody's so passionate, and this is, this is that they, they keep probably right. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Let them have a go. Yeah, and, uh, and don't, you know, if they fail, they fail. It's part of learning, you know. So, and today you're 67 now, or? Unfortunately, yes. So you're 67, but no, I'm very grateful. You've still got loads of energy. Uh, <laughs> people won't be able to see, but you had a hip hop just a few months ago, yep. and yet you were telling me today you'd already fallen off your bike. You know, who would yeah. go on their bike within a couple of months of having a hip hop? But you still got loads of energy, still working on many boards, still loving uh, it? Well, I, I, I'm down to one board. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, I'm chair of uh, Ultimate Products. Uh, who owned the Salter brand and Beldre. Did we do that for seven? Uh, we floated in uh, 2017. Right. I think it's March 17. So uh, since seven years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Great business, great management, great brands. Um, and uh, I, and I enjoy it. I mean, I think if, you, if you're chairing a business, very different to becoming a chief executive, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, very, yeah. Well, you, you know that, Mike. Um, if you've got a good, really good executive director team it's when you're chairing it's not hard because they're coming to you and saying this is what we're going to do yeah, yeah, yeah. what do you think but but what a great thing that you're still doing that because so many people have got this kind of i'm going to retire at 60 i'm going to retire at 65 when so much experience so much knowledge so much wisdom yeah. made so many mistakes to know you know what causes those mistakes and that's the time when i think people should be giving back it's a bit like grandparents often were the mentors of grandchildren without realizing they were a mentor yeah uh, but the problem is there's not enough interaction often in families now so that that same mentorship isn't happening which is why i think this kind of podcast is important but i'm going to wrap it up in in about five minutes now, yeah if we can yeah and i want to do it if that's okay with you in some quick fire questions yeah. so Answer in 10 seconds to 30 seconds, okay. that kind of thing. Yeah. What was the biggest lesson you learned from the one-stop TNS business? Uh, innovate at pace. Sainsbury's? The brand is everything. Tesco's? Stick to strategy. Brilliant. And tell me your biggest philosophy around people. Invest your time in people, and the payback is enormous. Treat everybody. If I haven't done this in the past, it's not. It's you know, I think it's unlikely that I've not done it. Treat everybody with the respect that they deserve. You know, it doesn't matter who they are. 
always and i don't think i've ever i don't think i've ever abused that i've always tried to try to do that because we're all the same just we have sometimes have different opportunities and 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 different outputs but um i love people i love talking to people and then and sorry the one thing i have learned which is probably difficult out of this because it it sort of goes the other way listen because if you listen very carefully it's very often a different message to the one you think you're receiving. That takes some listening to a couple of times, I yeah. think. Yeah, it's, it's a good point. But it, it's, oh, the times I've gone back and thought, well, I thought what I did heard they actually wasn't say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it now. Well, the beauty of podcasts, of course, is you can play them fast, you can play them slow, yeah. you can listen to them again and again yeah. and again. And often the way I consume them is to go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, through different points, which is which is interesting of itself. If you could go back, time travel, meet eighteen year old Jim, what would you say to him? <laughs> I would, I would say, get yourself a cricket coach, because I, I always wanted to be a cricketer. <laughs> Do you think you'd have been a more successful critic, cricket? Depends how you measure success, Mike. But I think I could have been a really good cricketer because I loved it. I played every day. Every day, morning, night, every day. My dad, even when we, when we had the pub, um, put out a pitch. He rolled a pitch for us. And three boys, backstop, wicketkeeper, bowler and batsman. And we did it all the time. And I was quick. I was really quick. So is there a message in there about pursuing your passions? Yeah, but I can't... But it's, it, it's very... It, it seems very ungrateful because I've had so much fun. And, you know, that we the trappings and whatnot but you do realize after a while the trappings don't really mean that much they do until you get to a level where you don't where you've covered all your needs but they give you choice yeah but but all the all the real stuff i know it sounds a bit twee but all the real stuff all the real value is in the people that you surround yourself with you know, if you've got really great friends, you've got everything. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you've got great family, you've got everything. And one of the things I consistently hear from successful people as we do this podcast, or just even before life generally, is we all think it's about the destination, but it's really about the journey. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. Yeah. It is the journey, yeah. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you. If you've enjoyed this session, uh, I'd certainly recommend listening to it a few times because you'll hear things that you didn't realise were in there for you. Uh, do share, do like, do subscribe, and we look forward to seeing you again on another episode of the Success to the System. Bye.